Hello, yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums to be, and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported, and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. In this episode of Beyond the Bump, we chat to Regan Fig. Regan is an exercise physiologist, yoga teacher, and mama of two who experienced postnatal depression and anxiety after the birth of her first son. Through her struggles with this, she started to practice new ways of thinking, connecting with her body, and filling up her cup. By implementing these strategies, she prevented any postnatal depression or anxiety following the birth of her second son, and she now shares her learnings with lots of other mums through her Mama Cup Filler courses that are online. We are lucky enough to have her here today to give us some tips on how we can fill up our own cups. Hi, Regan. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. First things first, how are you? Oh, well, thank you for having me. It's nice to be here. I am well today. (laughs) How about you? Yeah, good today. Yeah, good today. Today is good. I'm having a good week. I think I've finally got my head around the fact that um, this is life for the foreseeable future, so I don't have much of a choice but to get used to it. Um, And even kind of adapting, that has helped a lot. (laughs) Yes, I know. Each day can be different at the moment, a bit of a roller coaster, but it's that's good that you've sort of gotten to that point now where you can settle in almost. Yeah, yeah, just get just get used to things a bit more, I think, because it's so different to how I normally live. So, it's the one benefit we've had with time is that we can slowly learn to adapt <laughs> and adjust to something. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Regan, can you tell us a little bit about um, who you are and what you do and a bit of background information? Absolutely. So I am an exercise physiologist, a yoga teacher, a mummer of two boys, um, almost four and almost two. Um They're very energetic, very um, excitable. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They're pretty, um, pretty wild. So they keep me really busy. After I, so probably like before I fell pregnant with my first, I had had, you know, years and years of working as an exercise physiologist. And can I just ask what an exercise physiologist actually is? Because I was very intrigued to know what you do. Okay, so. In terms of studying exercise physiology, it's about like anatomy. Physiology is kind of the the what and the how of the body. Mm-hmm. So it's all about like incorporating and understanding and working with all the different parts within the body, not just focusing on one particular thing. So, you know, it's like a holistic kind of understanding of how the body works and all its systems together. Mm-hmm. Um, and exercise physiologists, we can go into a whole range of different like roles, I guess, or jobs. For me, I was working with coal miners. I used to work in coal mines. And that would look like kind of like a health and wellness coach as well as prescribing exercise to help someone who might be suffering from a particular kind of um, dis-ease of some kind. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'd spent like years and years working as the exercise physiologist and yoga teacher and practicing and, you know, meditating and all the rest of it. So when it came to me having my first babe, you know, I was the mum doing meditation and yoga all the time. And um, I hadn't had any kind of mental health issues before that. Um, You know, when you get your brochures on postnatal depression and anxiety and things like that, when you're, you know, going to your clinic visits um, leading up to birth and what have you, I was like, well, I'm not going to need them. Yeah. You know, I've got all these tools and all these skills and I've never had to worry. And come like four months postpartum, so I'd had a beautiful birth, beautiful pregnancy. It all went really well. Um, and, and, yeah, come four months postpartum, we had the four-month sleep regression, which I didn't believe in until it happened, right? <laughs> oh, um, no, it's a real thing. <laughs> I know. I know. So, um, so my son ended up uh, waking up sort of every 45 minutes. Oh God. would only settle on the boob. So that went on for about a couple of weeks. And after about that sort of two, three-week mark, my body then 
like kind of like I loosely term it, um, forgot how to sleep properly. So I ended up basically, I was having sort of two to three hours a night broken sleep. And then after those sort of two, three weeks, then my son started to sleep better, but I didn't. And so that kind of all spiraled out from there. Um, I ended up sort of with insomnia, with depression, with anxiety. And so from there, it's been this like journey of really finding new ways to tune in with myself, to understand myself and my needs and my boundaries, to learn about the things that I can do to support myself, um, the things that I can do in this, you know, in the new world that I was living in as a parent. And I was, and this is why I think it's quite similar to like this time at the moment because we've had our whole lives um, changed from one particular way of being to another and it's almost like that big shift Mm. into this kind of a new reality and that can be really um, like that can really affect people obviously as we all are feeling it and so you know through my experience with postnatal depression and anxiety after my second son was born I did a whole lot of stuff it was a big journey for me as I said about learning new tools and then not long after I'd sort of really kind of recovered from that experience, I was pregnant pregnant with my second babe. And so then like the fear of it coming back again was real. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I can either spend my time living in this fear and making myself more anxious and it's not going to help. So I really focused on how I could prevent it from happening again, how I could um, play with the things that I had learned and tools that I had learned previously and kind of like tinker them and actually weave them into mum life um, because as you know like going from childless to having a child you lose a lot of time for yourself or so you can think um, so for me it was just really about changing my mindset um, being responsible for my energy um, connecting with my body again And so now I basically, everything that I have learned and used, I then have put into some online programs and working with other mums one-on-one or in small groups. And yeah, basically doing the same kind of thing, sharing that, sharing the love, sharing the tools, sharing all the learnings. And there's been some phenomenal outcomes with the women that I've worked with. So yeah, here I am. That's kind of my story. <laughs> That's so great because I think Jade and I are similar in the way that um, both of us are not very good self-carers. Yeah. <laughs> and there is so much talk about self-care and the words thrown around so much, but I do agree with what you say. It's not necessarily that there isn't the time, but you just, just yeah, sometimes as a mum you just think, but, 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 but when and how and yeah, how am I going to do those things? And even if I do have the time, like there's other things that need to be done. And um, so we thought, especially at the moment, as you said, with life changing so much and probably feeling like we have less alone time than we ever have before. Yeah, we thought it would be very timely to get you on to just give us some tips and tools and fill up our cups. Yes. Fill up my cup. I'm holding yeah, a cup. Absolutely. I'm actually holding a cup with tits on it. So maybe not fill uh-huh. this one up, but <laughs> oh, I'm happy for you to fill the tits up too. <laughs> fill up the titty cup. That's yeah. right. Overflow the titty cup. That's yeah. right. No, a few things resonated when you were talking about that four month sleep regression because I think I found out that I had postnatal depression and anxiety with my third child. I didn't have it with my first two children. But with the third child, I discovered it around three months. And I guess with you, how did you how did you differentiate postnatal depression and anxiety and just being sleep deprived? Did you did you know or how did you know that there was a, a difference? I guess especially because it was your first child too, so you had never been through this before. Yeah. And look, to be honest, it's still I still wonder that. Um, I think they're both interconnected. I think, um, you know, one of the sort of symptoms of depression is insomnia or having trouble sleeping, but then also to a contributing factor of depression is lack of sleep. Yeah. It's a very, I think probably when I realized that I actually couldn't get the sleep that I needed, even when then I did start getting the sleep that I needed, there was still a lot of stuff going on in my head. Um, It wasn't just about like, 
having some extra naps and like catching up on sleep because I found like the the actual fatigue was so overwhelming no matter how much sleep that I could get Mm. Um, and that's when I sort of realized that I was not acting in a way that I would normally act I was not thinking in a way that I would normally think even if I was getting sleep I was having like really strong fatigue I really was not inspired to do a lot. I didn't really have much desire for the things that I would normally have a desire for. And I was getting caught up in a lot of stories in my head that kind of really weren't serving me. But then in a way too, that was one of the things that I used to help me out with this because I think when we step into motherhood, we can often bring in a lot of these stories like subconsciously that we're not even aware of uh for me my mum in particular it was she was kind of that the mother who was so selfless and so giving and she never had any time for herself and you know always sacrificing and that to me was a good mother now she never kind of said this out Mm. loud right it was modelled and that's the same with women who I've worked with before. It's a similar scenario. Or the other thing is where their mother actually didn't do a lot of that like selfless kind of acts. Yeah. Um, and they felt like, well, I'm going to be a really good mum and I'm going to, you know, do this and that and put myself last. And I think it's a really common thread, particularly in our society. Absolutely. Uh, that women mothers come last um you know our pleasure and our self-care is a luxury or you know our children must come first and I think when we can start to really think about those stories in our head and question like is that true for me like where did that story even come from there's things that I there's been ways that I was living my life and then I realized well that's not even true and when I think back to where I heard that comment it was pretty much like a stranger yeah so it's almost like we take these stories and we believe them to be true and yet they're not serving us so I think it's really important particularly when it does come to self-care like I could give people an entire list of um you know self-care options I could prescribe them like a book of self-care things they could do but if they're not giving themselves the permission to actually do those things in a way that is actually going to nourish them then there's it's kind of pointless and I see that there is a lot of this restriction of permission for mothers to look after themselves because of those stories that are that are are in their heads well I think also we it does make sense and we as mothers we have we set unrealistic expectations on ourselves to be the best we can be and it doesn't necessarily mean giving your all is being the best mother. I think that we have to be mindful that we genuinely need to take time out for ourselves to be good parents. And it seems a very funny, like, I guess if you weren't a mother and you listen to someone saying, oh, you're finding it hard to actually take time out. It is a really hard task. It becomes a learnt task, I think. Once you're not used to having it, I think then relaxing and using time to yourself productively but in a restorative way actually becomes something that you can forget how to do. But I was just going to touch back on what you said about, oh, where did that story come? It must have been a stranger. That resonates with me so much. I find that whenever I'm not with my children and I'll see someone that I barely know and the first thing they always say is where are your kids and it could even be on like a Sunday and I'm like they're with my husband they're they're with their dad you know but it's almost like and I I don't know why I let it affect me because as you say this person could be a stranger or an acquaintance and it's like oh who cares what they think but so often when you're out and about the first thing people say to you when you're alone oh who's got your kids it's like, yeah. it doesn't matter. I didn't, like, just leave them at home. No. That'll be fine. What are some ways in which we can stop our mum guilt when you do get time to yourself? Absolutely great question. Okay, so back to thinking of those stories. And as you were saying, Sophie, like, this idea that, well, I guess looking at why am I feeling bad about people asking me where are my children Um, when I'm out doing a thing for myself and again it's that question of where does this story come from like is it the story of a good mother is with her children 24 7 
And again, questioning like, is that a true story? Is it going to serve me? And then giving ourselves permission to actually look after ourselves. One thing that I try and do is when I work with other people is get them to see what their top three values are. And from there, like when I talk about values, I'm talking about like the things that are most important to them. You know, it's different for everyone. There's no right or wrong, good or bad. Is it maybe, uh, maybe it could be your children, um, your relationship with your partner and your business. And from there, it's like, so when, when you have those top values, it is about, so how will actually me having time for myself or looking after myself or making it myself a priority, how is that actually going to benefit my top values? So if it is your children, if it is your partner, mm. like if it is your business or whatever it might be, you know, how is me taking time out for myself? How is me, you know, whatever the thing is that you're doing to look after yourself, how is that actually going to benefit the things that are important to me totally you know, if it is you know your children like obviously you know yourself if you don't have any time for yourself if you don't look after yourself you start to be resentful you don't become you know the nicest person to hang out with you can then obviously feel stressed and then you take it out on your kids you're more snappy and so yeah reminding yourself how it's actually benefiting your top values how it's benefiting your children your partner your business whatever it is that are your top values and so from there, like also considering when we're talking about stories as well, like like get rid of comparison, like get rid of the comparisons that are in your head because often mum's like, oh, I should be doing this or I should be doing that. Like don't should on yourself in inverted commas. When there is a should in front of something, that kind of indicates that it's not a top priority. So don't worry about it, you know. And um, It's a top priority for someone like, else, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like we can't expect ourselves to be amazing at absolutely everything. You know, let go of the things that aren't your priorities. And this comes through with actually, you know, talking of self-care, like reducing your expectations and your standards for the things that aren't your top priority. Well, my arms um, are currently quite hairy, so I have lowered my my expectations on that one during this yeah. time everyone's hairy at the moment it's fine yeah right <laughs> I know this this point in time and I would really like to um emphasize that like no one's passing with flying colors here yeah this is a time to have like kindness and compassion towards yourself like how often have we been through a pandemic yeah. how often have we been isolated in our homes like this is a first for everyone go easy on yourself feel the feels when you want to feel them when you need to feel them obviously it can be hard if you've got your kids around maybe you have to kind of hold them in until you get some time for yourself but yeah looking after yourself and yeah letting things slide that aren't your top values and even sometimes when things are your top values who cares like let yourself off the hook for a little bit so yeah I guess and back to the mum guilt it's really interesting because often women can feel this guilt about doing something for themselves, like spending them time on themselves, whether that's me time or having a bath or having, you know, whatever it might be to look after themselves. You know, this guilt is attached to that time, maybe away from their children or their time prioritizing themselves, but yet they're totally fine with spending that time, you know, doing housework or, you know, cleaning or cooking meals. It's like it's almost it's okay for that but not for this. Yeah. And Or it's almost it's okay if you're doing paid work but not if you're looking after yourself. And I yeah. think at the end of the day our time is valuable. Everybody's time is valuable. We all have the same amount of time. If you are spending your time really nurturing yourself and looking after yourself, making yourself a priority, it is going to be so valuable. Maybe it's more valuable than doing paid work and getting money for that. Like how important is that for you and your family right now? So for me personally, so, yeah. the way I would give myself, I, I don't relax. I'm not one of the, I've never done, like I've tried to do yoga. It's not really, well, I would love to learn how to do it. I need to word myself correctly because in the way I am currently relaxing is I feel like if I was sitting down on a couch, I could be doing so much more with my time and being way more constructive. And that's how my brain works. So if I clean, that is therapeutic to me. If I'm doing something like making meals or cooking dinner or, you know, doing anything that I can tick off in my head that is actually productive, 
then I feel like I am I am achieving I don't know I, I guess I'm I'm trying to achieve something but also take time to myself which isn't really my time I was gonna say is it only therapeutic for you because you don't feel guilty while doing it well that's possibly exactly what I'm saying because you're not actually doing something for you no I'm not and I guess I can't I I I, I really struggle to do something purely for myself. The only time I really do is if I'm out of the house and the kids are asleep and I'm having dinner with friends because they're asleep. <laughs> so is that something that bothers you? Because, I mean, why change something if it's not a problem? Like if you're happy with it, that, then sweet. But if you're feeling like, oh, this is a little bit, this is bugging me a little bit, Possibly because of the stress that is in the household. I mean, I'm pretty full on in terms of cleanliness and I'm constantly, and especially because everyone's at home at the moment, the one thing I can't stand is mess everywhere. And the one thing I can't control at the moment is mess everywhere because regardless, we are all stuck at home in mess and that's what we're doing. So I guess I find it at the moment a problem because it is stressing me out and that isn't really giving me, you know, that time to myself. Well, um, if we're, if we find ourselves in a position where like we actually can't change the circumstances, we can change what's going on in our Mm. head, actually change our mind in the sense of make a new choice, believe a new thought. And one thing that I find has been super simple and super helpful with a lot of people is what I call flipping your shit. And it's basically (laughs) when you're having these kind of thoughts of like, fuck this shit or, oh my God, I can't cope or this is doing my head in. And it's literally just flipping it to something even over the top in the opposite direction. Like I love this chaos or this shit doesn't bother me or I can breathe through this. And those little kind of mind flips, the more we can do that, the more we actually start to believe that. Our mind is designed to seek out what we believe. You know, we find the evidence of what we believe to be true. It's kind of like if you're, um, you know, you've been with your partner for years and then they all of a sudden you notice they have this annoying habit and then you notice it all the time. <laughs> or like I know, for example, my son, he loves like bugs and beetles and he just finds like slugs and bugs and snails and stuff everywhere. It's pretty gross. But I don't notice all of it yeah. because that's not what I'm looking for. And so if we're spending our day, you know, stuck in inverted commas, stuck in our house and amongst all the mess and, you know, that's what we're seeing. So if we can start to put on a new lens and see it differently, we can start to experience it differently. My son, my eldest son is super energetic and there is a lot going on. There is not a lot of time for me to sit. In fact, when I when I sit down, it's like, mum's available to me now. Yeah. What can we do to mess with her? She's resting um, quick. Let's get her. I know. One's on a boob. The other one's climbing on me. Anyway. <laughs> so for me, I've had to really find peace, find serenity. So I focus on that. And then with that kind of lens on, that is what I'm, looking for that is what my mind is finding evidence for so I will really take note and be present for those moments when my kids are actually being kind to each other (laughs) or I notice when they're off doing something and I have peace and so yeah when we can start to change our thoughts and this is the thing by the time we're 35 apparently like 95% of our day is driven by subconscious programming Wow. Yeah. So all of our conditioning, all of our previous thoughts and beliefs, all of our um, memories, they have basically wired into our mind these programs, which is really helpful because we don't want to have to really concentrate on exactly how we drive a car or, you know, how we get dressed because we would be taking a lot of our focus (laughs) away from actually surviving right so it's really helpful to be to have these subconscious programs but when we are living our life 95 percent of the time in these subconscious programs we've got no idea what's actually going on in our head we will not pick up the the stories the conversations the programs going on so therefore if we're not aware of them we can't change them 
So if we start to become aware of those kind of things, then we can start to actually change the outcome. If we start to become aware of our thoughts and our beliefs, we can then affect the flow on of that to change our like behaviours, our experiences and our emotions. So you're telling so me that I have 2.5 years to get my shit together. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> and you can you can work on this stuff all the time like it's not set in stone and that's the thing like it's about firing and rewiring in our brain like we just need to just like it's simple but it's not easy mm. you know it's simple um, in theory and then it's about putting it into practice well yeah it's kind of simple in the idea of like how simple is it to just listen to what your thoughts are saying to you that's kind of simple but it's not easy in that it's something we've got to be conscious of yeah. often. I love yeah. what you said and about especially now there's so little that we can change about what's going on around us, but we can change how we see mm-hmm. it and the perspective of that. And, yeah, instead of looking at the mess thinking like, oh, how great it is that, you know, Poppy had so much fun doing that. I'm not going to grip my yeah, teeth at the Play-Doh. I, I now have to scrub off the floor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, and I also, I don't want this to come across as like, it's all positive, be grateful for all of it, you know, that kind of mm, a spiritual mm. bypass kind of effect. Um, it is something that you can change in your mind in terms of how you see things. Um, at the end of the day, what you believe is the way you're going to live. And this is what we look at when we talk about like in my program, overflow. It's not about just filling your cup or trying to fill your cup because then you're looking for how you're constantly trying Mm -hmm. to fill your cup. It's almost like you're never quite getting there. So it's all about like overflow. One of the things we do is we play with this idea of like what does your overflowing cup look like? What is your overflow state? What does it feel like? How are your connections? How are your relationships with your children, your partner, with others? Um, What are you doing? What are you saying? Um, So it's like, okay, when you can put yourself there and really feel into that, well, maybe it's that you're feeling calm and maybe you are, you know, really present with your children, maybe your connections and your relationships are really like aligned, you know, you're not sort of uh, doing the things that you don't want to be doing. And so then the next question is, well, how can you be there now? What is in your power right now to be there? If it is being calm, how can you be calm right now? If it is um, being more present in your overflow state, how can you practice being more present now? You know, and just doing those little things because then it's shouting out to the universe like I'm already there. So the more you can kind of practice that, the more you're actually going to feel into that overflow state. And I think the mind is such a powerful, powerful thing. It's pretty much the most powerful thing in the world. And other than coronavirus. Other than coronavirus. <laughs> but I was thinking other than sex. Or <laughs> no, we, but we got the power. <laughs> I know. But getting back to the the postnatal depression side and how this all came about and how you keep on saying, you know, change your mentality and change the way you think because that really will affect the way you live. My personal experience with that is it is so, so true. I was in a, a really chronic state of anxiety and panic attacks and I was spiralling in my mind all these negative thoughts and the psychologist said, you know, you just need to stop feeding these thoughts and train yourself positive thoughts because once your mind starts getting used to that way of thinking again, all those negative thoughts will go away. And I everything works differently for people but for my personal experience I had a different way of thinking about the anxiety that I had and it was turning it into and I was reading a book at the time that made me um, think, practice, practice these these tips and this method and it was turning my my mind and my anxiety into a little dinosaur that used to sit in the corner of my mind and it sounds like this is what you would say to a crazy person. And at the time, I generally thought this is really silly. But the more I practiced this method, the calmer I felt and the more positive I became and the negative started to subside. So I ended up having, you know, this thought that when my anxiety levels would strike, 
I would have an image in my head of this little dinosaur coming out of a door and I would simply say, you need to go back in because I'm not in fight or flight mode. I'm not um, fearing for my life and you're not necessary at this time. And I'd close the door. And because I had control over my own mindset, it gave me comfort in knowing that. And then I was able to bring in, like you're saying, these positive uh, tips and and um, affirmations, affirmations yeah. back into my life again, which really turned my whole mind around, which has been great. And I think at this time in our lives, it is so important to practice what you're saying because it is the only way to get through this comfortably. Otherwise, we're all going to sit back and be fretting and freaking out and focusing on the negative and focusing on what if. At the end of the day, this will end. And I'm no one to say that. I'm just hoping it will. <laughs> but it will end. And we just need to do what we can right now to get through it. And I think too, for those of us who are or have experienced anxiety before, the good news is we're actually already trained to experience a future reality before we get there. So what kind of future reality do you want to experience now? You know, with it, if it's anxiety, typically that is just us experiencing a future reality that is stressful or overwhelming or worrying. So you're already trained to experience that future reality. So what would you like it to be and how can you get there now because you know, you're in control is, yeah if it is that your future reality looks like uh like I was talking about before maybe being present with your children being a little bit more calm looking after yourself doing things that bring you pleasure and bring you joy then how can you already then use your mind to create that future now does that yeah, I love it. And I love the idea of the overflowing cup because even when I think about that for myself, it is such simple things that give me pleasure. Well, like when I sit here and think, okay, what does an overflowing cup look like? The things that lead to that in my mind are so simple. Yet I think when you're stuck in the the like rat race of the day, you forget that it is normally quite simple things that that lead to that outcome but instead you're so preoccupied with all these other things that really don't matter that much and I feel like it's kind of similar my husband and I every now and again sit down and we say financially how much would we have to make a year that if we made any more our lives wouldn't significantly be any better and if you actually sit down and do it, it's actually not that much that you need. And it always makes us feel so calm because we're like, okay, well, the things that really matter to us and bring us joy and, you know, get us to a, an awesome just like base isn't that much. And then yeah. anything above that's just like a bonus. So it's the same with the overflowing cup that it's, yeah, the things that make your cup overflow are, are generally actually quite easy to do mm. but you're so preoccupied with so many insignificant other things yeah and that's why I like to focus on like what your particular values are because for me a tidy house like Jade you're different to me a tidy house <laughs> is not a top value for me so why am I getting annoyed with my kids for like messing it up I actually don't really care you know yeah. so it gives me permission to let that slide and maybe at the end of the night we'll do a quick you know yeah power session pick up what we need to when it comes to having that overflowing cup and doing what we need to do I think it becomes really important to particularly at this point in time really consider what what is true for us because if we have decided that um, the only way we can fill our cup is having time alone by ourselves we don't leave ourselves a lot of space and time to actually do that mm -hmm. so maybe it's about really focusing on, like I said before, what brings you pleasure? What can you do? What's in your power now that you can do to bring you pleasure? Maybe it's as simple as watering the garden, like anything in nature. Maybe you can't go and spend a whole day on the beach right now, but maybe, you know, you can go for a walk at the beach if it's still open near you. Maybe you can be in your yard or your local park. Maybe you can be, like I said, watering the garden or laying on the grass looking at the clouds. Maybe just sitting in the sunshine, drinking a coffee is all you need right mm. now. So what can you do when your children are with you? Maybe yeah. it is 
playing your favorite podcast. <laughs> you're on the phone, right? Um, <laughs> nice plug. <laughs> maybe it is listening to an audiobook. Maybe it's saying no to the wiggles. We are listening to my music in the car. Mm. Um, all the little things that you can do to make yourself a pro- like the when you make yourself a priority and you put into place the things that bring you pleasure or bring you joy or make you feel good or actively connect you with yourself and the things that you love, that is when you really realize how much opportunity you have to fill and overflow your cup. And yes, it is a complete mind flip at the moment because we're start, we're having to think about what we have previously believed and what self care has looked like us for like before and how we can change it now to actually serve us I love that because like you know since Goldie's been born uh, I put so much pressure on the time that they nap together and sometimes it could be that in a day the the overlap of them napping is like an hour and I feel like I'm putting so much pressure Mm. on that hour to take care of myself but why can't self-care be when they're awake, you know, why, why can't it be that, yeah, I have nice music going on while Poppy's tearing up the living room. Like, it, it, yeah, it's so true. It doesn't have to be, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. You can be filling up your cup. I mean, of course, we love our children more than anything. So why can't we be filling up our cup while they're there? And with, with the whole mentality side of things, as you were saying, I don't think I was choosing the, or I'm not choosing the clean house as a priority. I think I do it for a sense of achievement. And I, perhaps if I changed my goals, like, you know, doing something creative with the kids is actually more of a priority and achievement. And I'd have satisfaction of that. And I change the way I thought then I wouldn't be so like driven mad over the cleanliness of my house it's very interesting so Jade do you believe that maybe your belief is that your level of productivity is your level of worth or absolutely um, nailed it on the head and we feel worthy of self-love and self-care and rest and the things that bring us pleasure and joy when we've ticked all the boxes and done all the things. Mm-hmm. But the boxes will never all be ticked. But this is and the problem. The- I don't I, – people who have lived with me or, you know, my parents come and visit – they always say, I have never seen you sit down on the couch. You do not stop. You keep going. If there's nothing inside, you'll go outside and you'll garden. You'll pull out weeds. You'll paint. You'll do this. You don't stop. And I don't stop until I'm tired. You're forced to. Yeah, I have to go to bed. Uh, well, I, I like to talk about the yin before the yang where like and my mentor talks about slowing down to speed up. When we talk about, so I study and teach different practices from uh, Tao tantric arts and the Tao is talking about that balance of yin and yang and, you know, night and day and feminine and masculine. And when we spend all of our time or a lot of our time in this masculine dominant energy where we're being productive, where we're doing the things where, you know, we are not living in that yin energy where we're not embracing that feminine energy. And there is a really strong reason behind that too. We're basically in this patriarchal society that really promotes this masculine dominant world where we're actually told to man up instead of woman up. And Mm. we believe that too. And we do feel like by doing all the things and being productive and doing it all is what's important. But as women, as feminine core beings, by being able to embrace that feminine energy and do the the yin before the yang, do the self-care or the rest or the nurturing or the slowing down, it actually then enables us to do the other stuff really well. And I see this a lot when we are really then really pushing ourselves to do all the things and, you know, do the weeding and do the cleaning and make sure it's all done. And then we're neglecting that kind of that real feminine essence within us. And that particularly as mothers is what we can rely on to to be rather than to do. 
And and it's I call it goddess energy. It's like Shakti energy. When we are really focusing on that. So Shakti energy is um, like this feminine energy. It is the experience of everything. Yeah, and so if we look at Shakti energy, so that's the feminine energy, and then there's Shiva energy, so that's the masculine. So Shiva is the formless. It is like consciousness, it is thought, that kind of thing. Whereas the feminine energy is everything else. It is the wind in your hair. It is um, the movement of water in the ocean, whereas like the Shiva energy is the consciousness behind the actual energy Mm. within that. It is about embracing that feminine quality. And so when we are connecting with our body, that is us connecting with that energy in us. And so when we are spending a lot of our time in this masculine energy and neglecting our feminine energy and our feminine essence and being, there is this really strong imbalance And when there is this really strong imbalance, that is when these things really start to bother us. And you can notice that too, perhaps maybe with your partner, if you've got a masculine core being for a partner, if you are doing all the things, they're actually then pushed into their feminine energy. So they'll be crashed out on the lounge, on their phone, while you're dashing around. Wow, you really stepped into my household, didn't you? Can you get out of our front bush with your binoculars? I can see you out there. Stop peering in our windows. Oh, my God, you guys caught me out. Yeah. How and, interesting. And yeah, and it's because, like, particularly in a partnership, there always needs to be polarity. And when there is a really strong imbalance with us women being in this masculine-driven energy and doing all the things and neglecting that feminine energy, we have this imbalance. We then become detached from our bodies, you know, by being able to tap into our bodies, we're able to tap into that feminine energy. So breathing and moving and doing the things that you can to tap into that energy. Maybe it's journaling. Um, dance is amazing. Maybe it's drawing or colouring. Painting's um, been a new one for us. What was that? Painting's been a new one for us. My husband and I had an in-house date night the other night and we we painted and we've never, ever done that in our lives and it was so much fun. Yes, and creativity, so our Shakti energy, our goddess energy is life force energy. It is the energy of creation. And if we are not um, generating that energy, we are going to feel completely uninspired, drained, lack of desire for anything and everything um, and therefore unable to create. Like we are beings with a womb. We are designed to create. And so this is when I think about back to when I had the depression, I was totally disconnected from my body. Mm. I was not doing the practices that connected me with my body. My focus was purely on my son because that's what a good mother was. in And so when I'm disconnected from my body, when as women, when we're disconnected from our body, we're disconnected from our Shakti energy, our goddess energy. And so that is when we can't actually take note of what it is that we need. That is when we have a total lack of um, desire and inspiration and therefore creativity. So when you're painting, that's you generating that that energy. And you feel and good. Like, yeah. And when you'll notice this yourself, like when you have been, and I'm, I know we've all either, you know, been through depression or we've had really shitty days or we've been down at some stage in our life. And what's really prominent at those times is the lack of inspiration, the lack of inspiration to have sex or pleasure or for pleasure or to even get dressed. Um, Like you don't even care what you wear. Even cooking, you're like, oh, my God, do I have to make another meal? A lack of uh, desire or inspiration for doing, you know, maybe it's things around the house or spending time with your children. So I guess what I'm saying here is, when we can really embrace the the yin, when we can embrace the slow, uh, it gives us an opportunity to be back in that feminine energy and rebalance ourselves and start to really ignite that desire for inspiration 
and creation. And even at this... Did you shag the crap out of your husband after the painting session? Oh, no, it wasn't like <laughs> Ghost with Patrick Swayze. Have you seen that? Yeah, I yeah. Just, no, the clip. Um, <laughs> I was just imagining after the painting you yeah. were like, oh, Nikki, baby. <laughs> well, look at you, Mango. <laughs> thing I was going to mention is that because we are all home, I feel like we've, well, I personally have like not really bothered to like get properly dressed and my hair's been like an afro and I just haven't felt like myself and it is important to you know have days where you wake up and you get dressed and you do your hair nicely so you feel good because as you're saying that's self-care and you do it makes me feel better when I do things like that so for me to start the day and and feel good about myself would only hopefully roll on to you know positive positive things from there oh yeah you got to get cute in quarantine <laughs> <laughs> cute in quarantine. That. That's so and good. in terms yeah. in terms of um filling up our cups um people have been mentioning mentioning um quarantinis and <laughs> i am a huge advocate for quarantinis but what are some really good tips right now that you could give us to fill up our cup oh love it Nothing wrong with a quarantini. Uh, I think that's a really important point, though, that you do bring up because it becomes this kind of maybe a daily almost ritual for some of having a few wines and particularly if it's been a stressful day with the kids. Like, I'm not here to tell you you need to be sober. I think we're all aware that sometimes that really actually doesn't help us or nourish us. So, yeah, of course, it's great to have some extra ideas of what we can do. So first of all, what is it that you love? What brings you joy? Is it, like I was talking about before, getting outside in nature? Is it having a boogie? Like my favourite thing is I call it, like you know, dialing it up. Dial up your vibe, dial up your energy, put on one song and have a boogie in the kitchen. Like that's always going to make you feel amazing. That's three minutes. Of, mm-hmm. you and know, your kids absolutely that. love it because I've been dancing with Poppy and she just thinks it's the best thing ever. So it, I feel good right. and she's like, yeah, mum. <laughs> Except for when your kids are old enough to say, hey, Google, play Katy Perry. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, I had my um, my son a few weeks ago. I He obviously noticed that I was in a bit of a shitty mood. And he's like, Mum, we need to put on Ziggy Alberts. Oh. <laughs> like, oh, babe, you're the best. I was like, good one, That's yeah. So, so good. And, I mean, all of this, it's not just because we need to do it for ourselves. Like, what are you modelling to your children? Yeah. That you come last? Mm. Like, if you have daughters, do you want to model to them that women come last, mothers come last, they, they don't need care? If you have sons, like, I have, like, as I said, two boys, I want them to grow up knowing that women need to be honoured and need to honour themselves and, yeah, be valued and looked after and indulge in whatever the fuck they want to indulge in. Yeah. Sorry, I swear. Am I allowed to swear? Oh, gosh, you're kidding. I, we swear. It's fine. The only one that's <gasps> on, we haven't dropped the C-bomb just yet and we probably won't go there, but any other word is play on. Don't tempt me. Oh, I'm like, which, which C-word, though? There's, like, <laughs> yeah. so many right now. <laughs> just don't say any of them. <laughs> yeah. You can't. Um, yeah. <laughs> See what I did there? So my <laughs> something that I do that I've been doing over these last few weeks um, is strapping both my boys into the double pram. The almost four-year-old is pretty big <laughs> for it, but whatever. I strap them in and I have at least an hour, like, to myself of, you know, minimum parenting. Mind you, I am pushing them in the pram. I'm not just strapping them in for an hour. And, <laughs> and he's just That's kicking and screaming. Having a quarantine in the corner. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you guys are fine. Watch the birds. Uh, no. <laughs> So it is me, like, giving myself that hour to go for a walk around our neighbourhood. I've got my earbuds in. I'm either calling a friend because I'm an extrovert and this is killing me with the social interaction around. No, I won't say that. It's not killing me. It's just different and a little harder. (laughs) So I make that a priority. Flip that shit, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Or I'm listening, like I said, listening to a podcast or some good music. I have that little bit of space for myself. Um... And it's really just about, well, what can you do to make you feel good? You're an exercise physiologist, so how important is exercise in this time especially? Exactly. And that's going to reduce our stress as well. Like there's been studies that say that we are at a high to a moderate to high stress level 70% of the time. Oh, God. 
that's not specific to mothers in isolation either so what i'm seeing is a lot of really really stressed and overwhelmed mothers right now and when we can exercise we can start to lower our stress levels um the more that we can do anything right now to lower our stress levels and the more we can do those things the more we can practice them the easier it becomes to drop our stress levels and obviously the more time we're spending doing that the less time we're spending in a stress state so maybe it is a 3 minute meditation maybe it is taking 5 deep breaths maybe it is exercise like walking or yoga or whatever it is that you enjoy they've actually found now what they're terming hope molecules are created from exercise so that's how um people who have depression are able to start to feel good it's not just about endorphins it's actually they're creating what's called hope or we all create hope molecules um from exercise uh so doing whatever you can maybe it's like a zumba session in your lounge room there's so many um options available online right now mm. that honestly um there's so much that you can do, but oh, I would give just Zumba say, like, go comes... do you know what that? that? You know... I'm going to give Zumba a go the Savo. Yeah, is but... that something I can do while the girls are awake? Because Poppy will just watch me in amazement. But like, what has happened? To there's her. also another one on YouTube called Just Dance, and yes. you can literally put it all on, and the and the kids can do it, and you can do it. I haven't done it yet, but it looks fun. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So whatever you like to do, um, yeah throw that in there if you can. And again, like I said, like this is not a time to be a perfect person. <laughs> yeah. So maybe now's not the time to start training for a marathon. <laughs> but yeah, I think getting outside, doing some exercise, that was one of the things that I did from going from having postnatal dep- depression after my first son to then I was like, well, now I'm pregnant with my second son. What can I do? And I had to go back and I actually created what I call like a flow chart of um, literally like what do I do when I wake up and I'm so tired that I want to cry? And then it was like, what do I do when I wake up and I'm so tired I want to die? Like, And so it was three things. It was literally shower, coffee, walk outside. Yeah. And so if we can know what fills our cup, if we can know the things, maybe it's just two or three things that we can focus on or try and do during the day, um, that's already going to get us ahead and allow us to reduce our stress and feel good, basically. I love filling up cups. And sorry, I'd been away from my daughter too long and I just all of a sudden a cup of milk. I'm filling up a cup. I just all of a sudden yeah. felt drooping down myself. I was like, I'll be back. Did that just come out? No, 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 that already has. Oh, my goodness. So I was like, impressive. Oh, wow, impressive. Now, we have another very serious question for you. Do it. Yes. Tips to stay calm. Great. Okay, so I think it would be neglectful for me to not mention, if we're talking about being calm, not to mention boundaries. Mm-hmm. We all are very well aware of what it feels like when our boundaries have been crossed. But I think it's really important to learn what it feels like when you are getting close to your boundaries being crossed. And the way we can do that is by connecting with our body. Our body is the thing that tells us our boundaries are getting crossed or about to get crossed. It is, you know, whether you want to call it instinct or our gut or our, you know, our mummy instinct or whatever you want to call it, knowing you want to say no, but you say yes, or knowing you want to say yes, but you say no. I think it's really important to honor your own boundaries. First of all, know where they lie. And like I said, we do this by connecting, by listening to our body. And so often with mothers, it can be quite difficult because they've started, they, they maybe have lost that connection to their body as I, like, as I had done. Um, so I would invite you to connect with your body by starting small. So, you know, peeing when you need to pee, feeding yourself when you're hungry, uh, taking yourself to bed when you're feeling tired, really building that relationship with your body and listening to your body when it's talking to you. So that then later on, when you are (laughs) feeling, when your body is saying to you, no, don't let the kids do X, Y, and Z right now, that you actually then really listen to that and honor it because that is what's going to help you keep calm. Do you know how you are not going to be 
raging. Do you know how silly, like it, it, that sounded so silly and it really isn't silly. I would hold on to going to the toilet for hours on end because I'm too busy doing something. And how ridiculous that that is something so, like you literally just had to tell me then, go to the toilet if you need to go to the toilet. Yeah, I guess how are you expected to tune in with your body on more complex tasks if we don't even listen to it when yeah. it says, I need a wee now? And I think by having that understanding of that kind of stuff that's going on in the background, then it it gives you some context to understanding why you're not calm. Mm. Yes, I could give you a million different like meditations or yoga sessions or, you know, things that are going to help you be calm. But chances are one of the, the main reasons why people, particularly mothers, don't feel calm is because they're angry or they're feeling rage or they're overwhelmed. And a lot of the time it's because they actually haven't listened to what their needs are. Um, it's when, you know, how sometimes you can feel calm when, you know, the house is upside down. And then other times you look at a full basket of washing and that literally brings on a panic attack. Mm. And it is about like then nourishing yourself, having that overflowing cup to start with, knowing where your boundaries are so that you can uphold them and that will allow you to obviously feel like you've got that respect for yourself and allow you to stay a little bit more calm because you won't be getting to that point of being really frustrated or overwhelmed because you keep doing the things that are then impacting you in a negative way. But in in terms of actually staying calm, so again, I would suggest like that flipping your shit, saying to yourself, this shit doesn't bother me, that's fine, or lowering your expectations, especially at this point in time, my boys love playing in the dirt and the mud. (laughs) Uh, I really just had to say, well, you know what? We're probably going to replace the carpet once isolation is finished. Yeah, and my deck. There's probably going to be, yeah, we're not watching TV anymore because my youngest decided to smash our TV with a pipe. Oh. So remaining calm there, it was kind of just like, that's what they do. I don't know. It's it's a practice. It's about, for me, it is that combination of being connected with my body to know where my boundaries lie so I can put them in place. It's about doing all the, the, the little things that I can to have that overflowing cup or at least to be adding to the cup. It's about the practices that can lower my stress. Um, I've got a 12-minute yoga nidra that I love. It is like honestly I've recorded it myself and it sounds quite narcissistic but I put myself to sleep or it's you know 12 minutes of total deep relaxation while it's nap time or rest time for the kids and then I'm really recharged so I can stay more calm so I can have more patience so I can have more compassion and understanding for my kids when they're sort of losing it or putting shit everywhere because they're really overwhelmed by what's going on at the moment now as well yeah so um There's a whole range of like different things that you could do, but I think getting rid of any kind of judgment and criticism that you're holding towards yourself when you aren't calm helps as well. We don't need to suffer twice, you know, if we're already having a bad day and things aren't going to plan and maybe we have yelled at the kids or done something that really doesn't align with us, we don't need to then suffer twice by putting you know, making ourselves feel bad about it, Um, you know, accepting that things maybe didn't go so well, maybe your kids are doing things that are really kind of triggering for you at the moment, maybe they're really pushing your buttons and kind of as best you can acknowledging it and doing whatever is in your power at that point in time to stay calm if that is your focus. Amazing. So good. I, Does that help? I don't think that's narcissistic. I think you've got a very calming voice. So, yeah. <laughs> that's... This is my go the fuck to sleep voice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so breathy. <sighs> I'm going to call you tonight and you can, I'll put you on loudspeaker. We can all listen. <laughs> oh, it's on my, if you go into my uh, Instagram profile, yeah. uh, click the link and it's in the link tree. Oh, we'll, cool. We'll put it we'll in the show notes. Yeah, there's a couple of meditations and 
yoga nidra amazing well Well, thank you so much for coming on and chatting to us especially in this time i think that this has been a very helpful episode and i feel lighter listening to it Mm. oh that sounds amazing yeah thank you so much this has been so fun um i could talk about this stuff all day and night so thank you so much for having me on here yeah thank you pleasure thanks for listening to this episode of beyond the bump if you enjoyed it please subscribe and give us a review if you didn't good on you you can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.